So there's a story of Alexander the Great storming his way east through India. Very epic uh, scene out of the Oliver Stone movie where you see the elephant, you know, reared up on two legs. That kind of deal. Interesting uh, thing about Alexander the Great is um, his origin, apparently, of the origin of his greatness. I read somewhere when I was a kid, I believe, I was into Greek myths. I remember reading a whole bunch of Greek myths out during one phase of my childhood. I remember reading that Alexander the Great's mom told Alexander that his real dad was not Philip. I think it was King Philip or what have you. His real dad was Zeus or God. And uh, God had impregnated her and therefore he was by default destined for greatness. And as the story goes, you know, he believed that and he ended up becoming great. He was so great that he conquered the whole of the known world. And you may have heard that when he reached, you know, the end of the world and had conquered Mongolia or outer Mongolia or Kamakatska or what have you. And when there were no more countries left to conquer, he sat down and wept. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot about these kinds of parables that teach us a lot, right? And it's almost like the universe wants to teach us and it wants us to grow. And so, once again, the question is, why is it that self-help sucks? Why does it not work? Why has it not worked for me? Why has it not worked for you? You may not have even been interested in listening to something this cynical sounding in terms of the title of this podcast self-help sucks whereas in reality what i'm trying to do is figure the thing out figure the thing out for my um you know benefit as well as yours my dear listeners so i appreciate you stopping by Alexander the Great. So two things right there. First of all, the power of belief. And we'll talk about that at a later date. As well as, uh, you know, touching upon neural networks, which I had mentioned in a previous previous podcast that I do want to talk about. And, you know, once again, wanting to touch on the, the real, you know, hot and heavy themes of self-help and motivational uh, you know, theory as it's developed since really the beginning of the 20th century. That's when people first started talking about the power of thought and the law of attraction. Obviously, the 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 first real so-called self-help treatise that became widespread and mainstream to this day is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. But in any case, I digress. Power of belief. Alexander told was told by his mom. You are of God. And therefore, he assumed, let's say, that you are going to have to achieve great things. I mean, it wasn't, there was no other option. I mean, from his own perspective, um, believing that he was of God. I mean, there seemed to be no other recourse. I remember one of the diamonds in the Amway multi level marketing business that I was in for, you know, about seven years. Um, at one event, I remember a diamond saying something very, 
profound and prescient. And a lot, in fact, the majority, if not all of what they teach in Amway is amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. And just on a side note, as for the pro- as for the products being expensive and people losing a lot of money, first of all, you might spend 50 to 100 bucks a month maximum. You know, it's something like 50 bucks on a book and and a CD every week. You know, so you're paying 9 bucks for a CD, let's say 40 bucks there. Book might be 10 or 20 bucks. So all in all, you know, if you put shipping in there, you're talking about 60 or 70 bucks. Now, in reality, if you listen to a CD every week um, by an Amway Diamond, whether or not you're in a multi-level marketing so-called scheme, uh, you are going to benefit immensely. These are amazing people. And, and, and I'm going to talk about Amway as well at a later date. I might have a whole episode dedicated to Amway. It's, it's so interesting, so amazing. These are really normal people that started off as gas station attendants or working at Wendy's or corporate bigwigs or pharmaceutical uh, executives or what have you. Every race and nationality and kind of background, every age, uh, male, female, black, white, oriental, you name it. They've succeeded. They've gone from normal people, supposedly normal people, to multimillionaires living the ultimate lifestyle. The ultimate lifestyle. You've got literally hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in every year. And if you if you build the business right, even if you stop building the business, it will continue to grow if you put the roots in correctly. It's an amazing and phenomenal model. I failed at it miserably, like I have done with so many other things in life, which led me to creating this podcast, which I hope will be of benefit to people such as myself that are struggling with these questions. Can you really change yourself? Are you meant to know yourself or are you meant to change yourself? And what does it mean to change who you are? You know, to change your thinking. Do you even know where your thoughts come from? Of course not. I mean, the whole thing is very profound. And you might say, well, why do you need to ask such questions? Just get on with it. You know, just focus. Just set some goals and so on and so forth. Think positive. Well, for a person such as myself, it's not that easy. I've been accused of overthinking. I've been told I overthink and overanalyze things often throughout my life. But on the other hand, I think that's one of my greatest attributes. You know, uh, it's like Prophet Muhammad said, an hour of thinking is better than 70 years of worship, right? So when was the last time you just sat down in one place and did nothing but just thought, right? Just thought, not worried, not stressed, not let your mind just run away with things, but just thought, right? You might call it meditation. You might call it contemplation. But I wager you may not have done that in your life, right? I meditate, and from time to time, I can meditate for an hour or two or even more at a time. In any case, Alexander the Great, power of belief. He believed he was divine, and therefore he did divine things, superhuman things, right? Very nice little nugget there. The Amway Diamond or Executive Diamond, uh, who I mentioned earlier, Brian Herosian, who was my so-called upline at one point in time, based out of Manitoba um, in Canada, the province of Manitoba, city of Winnipeg. 
he said something very nice, very interesting. Maybe he re reset it. I mean, I'm with Diamonds are the first to admit that, you know, success leaves foot footprints. And they will always say things like, uh, you know, I didn't come up with this and nothing that I say is my own. It's all stuff I've read and, and heard and listened to from other people. Um, not to mention at the end of, of a rally speech, you know, five times or eight times out of 10, they'll end up saying the same phrase. If we can do it, you can do it, right? We're no different than you. In any case, Brian Erosion said, you don't get what you want out of life. You get what you expect out of life. It's a real, it's a real key right there. And that's what it is, really. We all want different things, but we expect other things. And your expectations are hinged around your beliefs. And you know, I wish it was as easy, and perhaps it is as easy as, you know, re-engineering what you believe and not just changing your fundamental thought patterns, which would seem to be which seems to be an impossible task. You know, if you don't know what your next thought is going to be, how can you ever hope to control your thoughts, right? A thought has happened before you have a chance to even grapple with it. But if you can change something more fundamental, change something that you know is at the core of your being which is a belief right a, a real mindset shift if you can achieve something like that then maybe we're getting somewhere so alexander starts out by thinking he's divine ends up by crying because there are no more countries to conquer which is something i kind of touched on in episode one Really, the only key to suffer, uh, the only key to ending suffering, let alone achieving any, uh, any level of success, is to find something you're passionate about, something you can lose yourself in, even if it's video games, even if it's soap operas. You know, as long as it's not something negative or destructive, like gossiping or you know, um, you know, flicking cigarette butts uh, uh, out of out of the window at people or things like that, right? Haha. <laughs> In any case, he sits down and cries, not because he's power hungry. It's because that was his passion. His passion was just conquering countries. Anyway, Alexander is traipsing through India with his army of elephants and whatnot. And some of his reconnaissance people come back and say, hey, there's a, there's a, a wise guru that has an ashram over here and a lot of followers and he's really well known or something like that. You know, he'd get reports back, obviously, or what have you. I'm just kind of just embellishing the, the tale, as it were. So Alexander goes over to meet this fellow, and the, and the fellow's sitting there, you know, the epitome of serenity, enlightenment, wisdom, and so forth. Alexander's like, hey, what's going on? And the guru's like, hey, what's going on? Alexander's like, well, I'm actually in the process of conquering India, so I'm actually your new king in Liege. Oh, well, that's great. Uh, well, how are you, your majesty, or what have you? I mean, however, whatever shape or form that conversation took. Now, at one point, the guru asks Alexander, so what are you up to next? Alexander's like, well, I've conquered India, so next we're going to go over to, you know, whatever, like, what is it, China or Mongolia? And the guru's like, so what next? And he's like, well, then we're going to go to, you know, uh, outer Kamakatska or Siberia or whatever. And the guru keeps asking, and then what? And then what? And then what? 
And then when they come to the end of the known world in Alexander's mind, uh, Alexander is then asked by the guru, okay, so then what? Once you've conquered the last country, Alexander's, uh, uh, and Alexander's like, well, I guess I'll just sit there and enjoy myself. Something like that. Something to that effect. To which the guru wisely answers, well, that's what I'm doing right now. So right there is really the two extremes of the thing. Is success worldly achievement or is success inner achievement and inner enlightenment? And my answer to this question would be the rational approach of, you know, the midway, the midpoint. On the one hand, yes, you can have the whole world, but if you're not happy on the inside, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not satisfied, then it means nothing. And on the other hand, you could be a poor laborer in Indochina and you're happy with getting up each day, working all day and providing for your family and saving some money and you've got dreams and goals and what have you. You live an honest, pure, simple, hardworking, humble life and there's plenty of those kinds of people. My wife is from Colombia and we had the opportunity to live in Colombia for six months in the year 2008 after... I left uh, the Fortune 500 software company, Computer Associates. I'd been there for three years, gotten promoted from Calgary to Minneapolis, and then ended up um, leaving the company, as it were. And uh, I got a nice bonus when I left or what have you. And so we lived in Colombia for six months. And I have to say, it's it's really not what you expect. You think about drugs and cartels and guns, and that might have been the 80s with Pablo Escobar. They took him down in 1992, and so it's really revolutionized since then, all of Colombia. I made a bunch of YouTube videos about Colombia, and I've gotten like thousands and thousands of views on some of them. Some of the most passionate, humble, happy, down-to-earth, beautiful and I dare say holy people that you'll ever meet in your life and not to mention some of the poorest you know it goes back to something I say often which is that poorer people are happier than richer people it's not even just something I say it's an observation it's a fact if you ride the bus and and see poor people or those who are uh, you know so-called lower on the social strata they're usually more down to earth and happier and you know you know, cutting up and having a good time. Whereas the more money you have, the more possessions you have, the more responsibilities you have, the less time you have, the more stressed out you are, and so on and so forth. So once again, there's this dichotomy, right? So you might say, well, why do you need to ask these kinds of questions? Well, for a person such as myself, I do need to ask these kinds of questions. The thing hasn't worked out for me, right? So I'm trying to figure it out. As a society, I don't think we ask enough questions of ourselves and, you know, of life, the universe and everything in general. We don't do enough thinking, that's for sure. And it's like the, you know, saying by one of these eminent thinkers over throughout the ages, like an Emerson or, or someone said, you know, I think it was a French person. It might have been de Balzac. I have no idea who de Balzac is, but um, it may have been him. He said the the cause of all the cause of like 
90% of our problems, if not all of our problems, is our inability to sit in one place silently for an hour. You know, exactly what I said earlier, which means that most of your problems can be solved if you just thought about them. Imam Ali said the same thing, the, the first Shia Imam after Prophet Muhammad. Every problem has a solution if you just apply thinking to it, clear thought. So now you may ask, why do you need to split hairs? Why do you need to philosophize? Why can't you just get on with it? Well, I dare say there are people who are action-oriented, like my wife, like my dad. They don't sit around and philosophize. They get up early. They work hard all day. They spend every minute of their time wisely. They spend every penny of their money wisely. And they're eminently successful in their own way. You know, happy, fulfilled, just making the most out of whatever they're doing. Right? My wife was a... A successful businesswoman when I met her you know she'd run a hair salon she'd run a um, a fashion kind of clothing company in Colombia before emigrating to Canada she didn't speak a word of English when she arrived here like 20 years ago and along the way you know she achieved the Canadian dream you know driving a she had just bought a $40,000 Jeep Liberty car when I met her she had expensive custom furniture that she'd spent thousands of dollars on she had her own uh townhouse and you know pretty much every kind of material refinement that she possibly ever could possibly want like really weirded out things like you know thousand dollar uh camera which she never even used really or you know five thousand dollar bike uh, but in any case, um, same with my dad, you know, humble beginnings, small town in Pakistan, and ended up putting four of his kids through Western universities and providing a more or less lavish lifestyle uh, to this day uh, for his family. You know, my mom uh, and, you know, us siblings uh, never wanted for anything in life. And, uh, you know, he's still hard at work. He's in his 70s now. He still teaches at Mount Royal University here in Canada. So now the question is, what is success? Why is it important? It's important because if you're focused on material success or outward success, then best case scenario, you'd end up like a, either a Donald Trump or an Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquers the whole known world, and then he sits there and cries, right? So he's achieved, you know, the ultimate success possible, conquering the world, and, and yet he's not happy, right? So that's problematic because, first of all, you're never really going to feasibly or realistically conquer the whole world. You might conquer a domain of expertise. That's a different kind of thing. That's more of a cerebral or an intellectual kind of success, which takes us back to point one, right? So the guru on the one hand, you know, seems to have the answer. Well, if you have enlightenment, it's like Bill Bowerman of Nike said, everything you want is already inside of you. But the truth is, once again, the median way, the midway, the midpoint seems to be the following, that you need to balance outward success with inward success at the very least, right? You know, to say that you're happy sitting on a couch eating potato chips, um, let's say living off of welfare and playing video games all day and just sitting there and you contribute nothing to society, 
I'd be hard pressed to think of anyone who could ever be happy in a situation like that. I think innately that there's something wrong with that picture. And I think if you're listening to this, and if you're interested in this subject matter, then you're probably of the same bent of mind, which is that part of a full existence or purposeful life, as Pastor Warren Ellis would say, you know, a purposeful life or a purpose-driven life, there needs to be purpose. It's not just about you in and of yourself as an independent entity being happy. There needs to be some kind of contact with the outside world, some kind of contribution, some kind of purpose. If you're just sitting there eating potato chips, you'd go crazy with boredom, first of all. But lack of purpose, um, you know, is really one of the main reasons people are so sad and so depressed and so cynical, right? So then let's put it this way. Is success achieving? Perhaps we could define success as, uh, they, they used to define it like this in Amway. Success is, is the successive realization of a worthwhile aim or goal. So that's a great standard definition, but Looking into it a bit deeper, okay, I used to say things like this. I used to say that the ultimate success, the ultimate goal needs to be happiness, your happiness, okay? Because once again, here, here, here's, the, here's the line of thought, okay? We want a full life. We want a complete life. We want to be successful in every area of our life, and you can't focus on everything at once or rather, you know, you can have success goals for your health. You can have finance goals. You can have spiritual goals. You can have mental goals. You can have physical goals and, you know, so on and so forth. Family goals, relationship goals, business goals, career goals, et cetera, et cetera. Or is it that, could it be that the promise of self-help once again, you develop a success mindset, whatever that is, right? Which is what I'm actually trying to figure out here. What is a success mindset? So you develop a success mindset and they make it seem like you flick a switch, you know, Tony Robbins, awaken the giant within. And, you know, all of these gurus are selling us on the idea that you can get in touch with a deeper part of yourself or you can retrain your mind or you can flick a switch, or you realize something. It's almost, once again, like the spiritual Kool-Aid that we've been told is the aim of spirituality. You know, this thing called enlightenment. Suddenly there's a transformation. Suddenly there's a realization. It's exactly like a material perspective where suddenly you win the lottery. Suddenly this investment pays off. Suddenly you come up with an amazing business idea. Right, it's it's almost like it's almost like it's too good to be true because it's a, a get rich quick scheme in a sense. Like you flick a switch and suddenly you're Superman. The truth of the matter is, however, that even after all these years of reading success books and attending seminars and watching videos and hanging out with successful people as much as possible and rubbing shoulders with Amway diamonds and whatnot, um, instead of being cynical about the whole thing, I really do believe that there is a switch like that. There is a switch like that. And, you know, I want to 
dive into this question a bit deeper in this episode and kind of figure out what is it that drives us. This is the the thing, right? So from a secular perspective, you know, from a spiritual perspective, it's easy in a sense, you know, just find something that you're passionate about. Just let go of yourself or let's just say let go. This is this is the key in spirituality. Once you let go and go with the flow, so to speak, things begin to happen. You just go with the flow, you trust, and you just let go. And and you you know, you continue to generate positive momentum by doing the right thing, so to speak. You let your conscience guide you, right? I mean, one of the big failings of success and, and self-help theory is that it doesn't even talk about things like your conscience doesn't talk about things like integrity you know what stephen covey of the seven habits of highly successful people and the covey foundation what stephen covey used to call the character ethic you know success and self-help books generally talk about polishing your outer veneer you know firm handshake you know um dressing well and speaking loud and making eye contact and superficial band-aid type approaches to life right if you repeat the same thing enough then it becomes true right as opposed to live a life of of character now of course there are plenty of books that talk about character and we'll talk about that too in in coming in coming episodes character being central to the whole thing and in fact, character being an answer to this question of what is success. So from a spiritual perspective, if you, let's say you tune into the universe or God or your higher self or whatever, at that point you're taken care of, right? If you tune into your higher self, then you'll start performing you know, exponentially better on every level. And from a secular perspective, let's just put it this way. Let's say there's no spirit, there's no God, there's nothing but your mind, but that your mind is now focused on excellence. So I used to say that the key to the whole thing is happiness. If you're not happy, then nothing else matters. And if you are happy, then nothing else hap- matters. And so your your lodestone, as it were, your light post, your, your lighthouse, your lantern of, of your path, what you're seeking should be self-fulfillment, happiness, happiness, just happiness. If you're happy, then you're on the right track. If you're unhappy, then the extent to which you're unhappy and whatever's making you unhappy is what you should be focused on fixing. So that was one one approach. Then I took it to a, a you know a higher stage where I thought to myself, well, it's not really about happiness because sadness can be beautiful too right i mean you don't want to indulge in negative emotions but what i'm trying to say is that there's more to life than happiness you know sadness can be a key in life as well right as a shia muslim at this time of the year it's uh september 2019 and it's the first month of the muslim calendar muharram and we're commemorating the the martyrdom, the slaughter, as it were, of Prophet Muhammad's grandson Hussein, Imam Hussein, after whom I'm named. He was martyred with seventy-two of his friends and family, um, you know, from his six-month-year-old baby to ninety-year-old companion, 
you know, uh, 18 month, 18 year old son, 14 year old nephew, and so on and so forth. Very heart rending tale. And he was slaughtered by the original Muslim terrorists of the day. And uh, in any case, it's it's a heart rending story. And uh, we commemorate his passing away and his small, courageous band of uh, truth seeking followers who essentially were kept hungry and thirsty for three days and slaughtered one by one, uh, you know, facing up against an army of anywhere from 30,000 to 70 to 120,000 people um, in some reports who are actually Muslims as well, right? The original terrorists who killed and tortured the family of their own prophet. In any case, um, not to bore you with uh, Islamic schisms or anything like that, but we find a profound satisfaction in the sadness. And so I'm coming up to the half hour mark. The the step uh, beyond sadness would be to say that your experience is what defines whether or not you're living a worthwhile life. It's not to say that there's a good or bad experience, but just to be able to have the ultimate experience is a way of looking at it, right? So what is success? Is success happy? Success is not material fulfillment in and of itself, and it's not spiritual enlightenment in and of itself. Where are we aiming? So I'm going to have to continue this in the in the next episode. For now, I want to say that we're going to stop at experience, right? So once again, if you're dreaming and you realize you're dreaming, then it doesn't matter if you're having a good or bad dream. And the same goes for life. If you're just looking at life as an experience, you're always going to win. Thank you for tuning in. See you next time. Please like and comment.